You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, E.G. Andrews of GSernicash.com, and I know, giving you a lot of content in the past day, giving you a lot to think about, and I know, I know you guys. I know a lot of you are good with this, but I also know that some people are like, well, stick to sports. Yeah, not doing that. And this is my show, so I don't have to. And we're going to continue that because, um, you know, like I, I said on Twitter, I am not really a person who can speak to these sorts of issues very well. I I grew up in a very white portion of a fairly white country. So I don't have a lot of experience with this. I definitely don't have firsthand experience. Um, so I did want to have someone on the podcast who, who could speak to things a lot better than I can. And I would much rather use what platform I have to, to, you know, make sure those voices come out and are heard. As, as I said last night, you need to listen to other voices other than yourself and get the full perspective so you don't say stupid things like Kevin Pillar did, which we will be talking about in a second with my guest today. Yes, I still have guests on this podcast. I know it's been a while, but I'm very thankful that the woman on the other end has taken the time to join me today. She is an athlete. She is a journalist. She is a contributor to Outsports and the co-host of the Transporter Room, which I have done. It's an excellent podcast, and you all should check it out. Anyway, Miss Carly Chardonnay-Webb is here on the podcast today. Carly, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. AJ, thank you for having me. I mean... I always wanted to do your podcast, and now I'm here doing it. This has been a lot. I mean, I'm already honored and perfect time to talk about it. And, hey, how about those Blue Jays in the thick of the playoff race? We are we are doing what we're actually adding people, which is a weird foreign concept to me, that we are okay. we're actively buying people again. Like, I... I this is the first time since I've had a podcast where it's not like, well, here's who the Blue Jays can get for Steve Pierce. So I am, I'm excited actually. Uh, but Well, you have every reason to be excited. You're still in, you're still very much in the hunt. Unlike my Kansas city Royals that <laughs> seem to be kind of out of the hunt. <laughs> uh, hey, kind of as expected. I mean, but I'm hoping that we can – at this point, we're just hoping for the Christine Carl prognostication, getting close to 500. <laughs> I mean, we had we had Christine on the podcast before the season started. And Christine had said before we found out that the coronavirus was going to wipe out a lot of the season and, and lead to this sprint season that we're having, she said, be happy. if you w- if, Consider it a good year if you can win 72 to 74 games. 
So, I mean, and there's still a chance of that. Yeah. But if it but if it helps, I like Lucius Fox. I he's the shortstop prospect they got from Tampa. I I think he has a chance to be a solid contributor at the major league level. So you got that. Well, I mean, that can help us in the years to come. I mean, assuming, <laughs> no. assuming of course, assuming of course, the guy doesn't get so good mm-hmm. that we have to sell him off. <laughs> because you see, because even with the revenue share and all the things you have in baseball right now, it's a matter of you've got to you've got to load up and then you've got to blow up. That's how it seems to be working right now. We're gonna we're going the Kansas City Royals will be a franchise that load up for a run every few years. We may make it, but then right after. But if things fall short, then you got to start selling the pieces off the. Got to start selling the vital organs, and you got to start over. I mean, we are definitely a Moneyball team. <laughs> As a Blue Jays fan, all I can say is this is karma for Amish kid reaching over and getting you that home run that you did not deserve in the playoffs that knocked out oh, the will Blue you, Jays. Oh, God, will you stop that? <laughs> yeah, no. Amish kid did not. Do, Amish don't, kid don't give me that. Did Amish not kid did nothing wrong. Any, no, Amish kid that did not have a lot of bearing on what happened next. I mean, don't don't act like a St. Louis Cardinal fan right now. <laughs> just just don't. I got to hear from the Cardinals. If Don Dinginger hadn't made that call, it was Game Six. <laughs> all all I know is I'm in a I'm in a fantasy league uh, with some Royals fans because uh, I did it as a favor to Ryland Styles, who is the Locked On Royals host on the network. There's a reason I named my team the Blades. And have a picture of a razor blade as the team logo. Because that's that's what okay, I would that, do. Oh, see, okay, that's fair. <laughs> that is, I mean, that is fair. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it was early in the game when that happened. So- you had every opportunity to get, to, to get that back. I mean, but anyway. That sets about- the tone, Carly. Okay, okay, fine. At least you don't at least you're not whining as much about the Cardinals whining as much as the Cardinals fans. That's been over thirty years they're still whining. <laughs> yeah. Like they've won since then, so they don't get to complain. We're still waiting for our first since I was like four. So yeah. I I want to be able to celebrate a championship with something other than milk. That's what I want to do. Well, hey, there's nothing wrong. Well, I wonder if the Blue Jays pull it off this year, what would you celebrate with? <laughs> a lot of vodka soda. As fans of this podcast know. Um, vodka soda. Scared of you, girl. I'm, <laughs> I'm a wine I'm basic. Okay. I'm a wine drinker. I'll admit. I, I, you're, I, see, that's what gets me. Everybody, I mean, basic must be... When I hear basic, I think of a computer language I don't use. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I I um I switched to vodka soda like yeah. I don't know a few months ago in an effort to you know not not just be that person on vodka. Yeah, no, I'm. Hey. It's what I do. It's. Just... Hey, it could have. You could be worse. You could have said Labatt's. Oh God. <laughs> Any hey, any I, beer. I, I, any beer is a no. Yeah. Hey, I 
one thing you'll learn about me is that I am eclectic. <laughs> I, I will admit to that. I am eclectic. I am upper crust. I'm one of those. I mean, I'll admit I'm a, I'll admit to being a wine drinker. I admit that my favorite newscast is the national. I'll admit to it. Not many Americans say that. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I know. <laughs> Not it's many right. Americans say that. <laughs> yeah. But I, no, I admit I'm a little bit. I've got like I've got eclectic taste. I will admit to it. That's good though. That gives you some cred here. Like, <laughs> like it's not just like oh, AJ just got some random person. I have someone who appreciates the national. So that's, that's no. Important. I've I met the I met one, I met two of the two of the finest anchor people. One did a lecture at my college one when I was a student. The other one I got to the other one I got to interview. Nolton Nash lectured my journalism class in college, and I got to interview Peter Mansbridge. That that is freaking impressive. Peter Mansbridge is like a national treasure up here. Yeah, and he was near and he was nearly lured away by an American network. I I think him um, when uh, when the Maple Leafs came back from three 0 down to to tie and beat Columbus, his. His tweet was probably the most liked because he actually swore on Twitter. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Carly, I again, I am very appreciative of you being here. I, I'm glad that people know how eclectic you are now. Um, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the some of the issues that have come to the forefront in the past week um across sports um and you know it started in the nba with the Bucks saying that we're not playing this game it did spread to baseball a little slower um had the three games canceled on wednesday night and then a bunch more on thursday and and still had some on friday with the athletics and the garbage pail astros postponing their game on Friday and then postponing more today but that's a different thing um but yeah I I wanted to get uh your thoughts on this Carly um when you first saw the strikes happening what went through your mind as as more and more of these athletes started sitting out really one word whoa because AJ, I, I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't, I mean, I don't think anyone saw it coming like this. I mean, yes, they, I mean, it's one thing to like wear an I Can't Breathe t-shirt. It's another thing to put some of the the slogans and the sayings on the jersey. It's one thing to put Black Lives Matter on the court. Yes. I, and even those things took me aback a little bit from the standpoint of, okay, I wasn't expecting this. But to see this level of direct action, something that we haven't seen in 50 years in professional sports to this level on a subject like this. I mean, what what we saw in a sense was this generation saw Tommy Smith and John Carlos. They saw the Olympic Project for Human Rights, the, the attempted boycott of the Mexico City Games back in 68. They saw actions 
that go back to the late 50s into the 60s when there was a lot greater level of activism of this type, really wildcat, guerrilla, if you will, activism of this type going on in sport. I was taken aback by it in the sense that it was shocking, but at the same time, it was beautiful to see. And it was good to see professional athletes today willing to really put, really using their collective power. Because one thing I have, I've maintained a great deal is that I take a little bit of pause to criticize athletes today and wonder why they don't take more public stands. I, at one hand, I wish they would, but at the other hand, I understand why many people don't because there's a lot more to lose. I mean, these contracts aren't, I mean, nobody drives a cab in the off-season or sells insurance in the off-season anymore. They're paid what they're paid for a reason. This is, I mean, sports is high entertainment today. And it is a, and you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a long ask and a difficult ask to tell somebody who's making $200 million to lay that check aside on a principle and to see these athletes do it and to see the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm talking Giannis. I'm talking Greek Freak and company, a team that is a legitimate contender to win this whole thing in the bubble, stand down and say, we're not playing. And not only not playing, getting on the phone, calling the governor of Wisconsin and the attorney general of Wisconsin say, we play and live and work in Wisconsin. We don't like what we saw with it with with what happened to Jacob Blake. Because that could be in because that could be any of us. Mm. Exactly. And that's the one thing. That could be and and for me, as an African American woman, that as an African American for take gender out of the equation, take orientation out of the equation one cop having a bad day can end my life. And that's what people have to understand. That's what that's what law enforcement has to understand. That's what people in the majority culture, I'll, I'll say it, we white, have to understand. All it takes is somebody to have a bad day or not quite feeling fresh that moment or, or going off on a power trip or whatever it is and can turn a traffic stop into a tragedy. And that's what happened there. That man was shot point blank seven times in front of his children. Let that sink in. And to see these people use, and to see NBA players, to see the Milwaukee Bucks use that platform. I know a certain Milwaukee, I know a certain former Milwaukee Buck and Hall of Famer would have been proud, would have looked at them and said, "I'm proud of you." In fact, I know two former Milwaukee Bucks who'd be looking at them right now saying, we're proud of you. Oscar Robertson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, both mm-hmm. former Milwaukee Bucks. I can bet they would look at them, look at all those players and say, we're proud of you. Mm-hmm. That did, I mean, and to see the whole of the NBA come together. And to see that, and I also want to give a, give a shout out to the WNBA because they were doing this stuff long before a lot of long before any other league was they were speaking out on these issues they were ahead of the curve in many ways 
And I just want to I want to point that out. The Wubble was ahead of the curve. And you can argue more powerful as well with the with the Mystics coming out with the the seven bullet holes on the backs of their shirts and spelling out Jacob Blake's name. I mean, they like you can you can say like the NBA took a stand. The, the WNBA shoves it right in your face because like they know like you have to have the image in there to to get it sometimes, and that's a sad sad fact of the society. I. I mean, there are Jacob Blakes every day. And, you know, some of them aren't fortunate enough to have someone videotaping and bring their plight to the world. They, they just get forgotten because it happens way too often. It's so easy to write and, off. And it happen, And it's happening all over the place. Let's go north of the border for a second. Because, mm-hmm. yes, I'll call, the, I'll, call the, I'll call some NHL players a task. Right now, you have an epidemic of law enforcement violence on, on First Nations people in Canada. Yep. You need to be speaking out on that. And you need to be speaking out on that. I mean, we all have a stake in this. And and to a lot of credit, in the, and to a lot of credit of the NHL, a lot of NHL players are kneeling. They are speaking out. I think it's spread across leagues. I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing. I mean, I've seen a number of. I've seen a number of CFL teams get get involved. CFL commissioner talked about that a few days ago. Talking about what will happen if if what will happen if we do have a season and you start having CFL teams speaking out. He's like they should speak out. I mean, the word is getting out there and it's good to see it. It's good to see sports not being the toy chest on this one. Mm. It's good to see that because a lot of people think it was Oh, shut up and dribble. And you see, that's the one thing. One thing I have to get out right out of the gate, AJ, and this is very important. A lot of people are going to look at fan response to this. Let me tell you something about a lot of sports fans, especially a lot of baseball fans, because I know, especially baseball fans, I can understand especially why why a good number of baseball fans and sports fans in general may be resistant to this thing. Because think about who's playing and think of, number one, think about who's playing, but think about who, who buys the majority of tickets. Think about who can afford to buy the majority of tickets. So let's face it, a lot of people have been priced out of going to a game, mm-hmm. no matter what team you root for. But also at another level, think about where the, where the mindset of sports fans are. I am convinced that if, for example, if Major League Baseball said, we're bringing back the reserve clause tomorrow. The majority of fans would be for it. I am not going to gauge the efficacy of what we're seeing by fan reaction because I know where fan I know where where a good number of sports fans unfortunately are thinking because sports fans don't know if you are saying that sports shouldn't be political, then you really don't know sports. And you really don't understand the politics behind sports, the economics behind sports, or the sociology of what you're seeing, especially at the professional and elite level. Because sports, in one way or another, especially in the post-integration era, has largely has been, even before then, sports has played. Sports and politics have been intertwined. They and that's going as far back as ancient Greece. This is nothing new. 
but I think that the and I think that's one thing we're all kind of I think that that our industry being journalists, being broadcasters, being content creators, we're lax on te- on we should be talking about some history right now in addition to what we're seeing because people think this is a new phenomenon and it's not. I mean, in baseball alone, this goes back this goes back to before the gentleman's this goes back to the gentleman's agreement. This goes back to Kennesaw Mountain Landis. This goes back to integration. This goes back to collusion. And that wasn't so long ago. That was only 30, that was a little bit more than 30 years ago. These thing these things are not new. They're a continuing they're a continuing chain across athletics. Players have stood out. They stood up, they stood up for better working conditions. They stood up against they ills in society. We had an entire. We had a football league. We had players in a football league boycott an all star game over this, over this very same thing. The AFL boycott. The AFL boycott the sixty four all star game. We have seen this, and now we're and it, and a good thing is we're seeing more of it again and again. And I hope it continues. And I like that the end that the NBA players. I like the fact that they came together. They 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 talked. There were some. They there were some there were some sharp words in between players. There were there were emotional meetings, but they walked out with a plan. And I like the fact that they that they got together at, after this action and said, "We're not going to stop here and have a spasm. We're going to come out with a plan, a plan for greater engagement, a plan for all NBA arenas to become polling sites." That's very important in what we're seeing and what we're going to be seeing in this country over the next nine weeks because we're going to need this leadership because I'm going to tell you, the, if I was a Canadian, I'd be, very, I'd be very scared of what I'm going to see south of that border over these next ten weeks or so because it's going to get ugly down here. It is. I'm, I'm going to say it's, it's already a bit scary. I, it is. I. This is. This is not a time I'm looking forward to, AJ. It's not. And we're going to need these voice. We're going to need these voices that many of us look up to now more than ever to set a tone. You are locked on Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Talking with uh, Carly Chardonnay-Webb of Outsports in the Transporter Room here on Locked on Blue Jays. Carly, you, you did a great job highlighting just basically the the entire struggle it's been over over the past, you know, couple millennia of sports and, and just how this is something that is completely intertwined with the social situations that we are seeing now and some people are just realizing for the first time with with these protests with these strikes um i do i do want to focus on baseball specifically this is a baseball podcast the reaction across the baseball world has been somewhat mixed because i mean you have you have players being very proactive in some cases the brewers quickly followed suit after the bucks announced they were striking 
Um, you had you had the West Coast teams, uh, the Mariners, who have the highest percentage of black players on their team. They announced they weren't going to play. But then you have instances where, like, Dexter Fowler in St. Louis with those Cardinals is the only person who actively took himself out of the lineup um, with the support of Jack Flaherty being the only only person on record there. You have Matt Kemp in Colorado who on Wednesday night was the only person who sat out. And I look at the Blue Jays who for for a period of time this past week did not have a black player on their roster with the designation of Anthony Alford. There were no black players on that roster. And if it wasn't for Jackie Bradley Jr. taking the lead, they probably would have tried to play on Thursday night. Apparently the Blue Jays voted to play. That was, I guarantee you that's before Taiwan Walker got there. But what of the a baseball culture do you think needs to start changing? Do, do, is it on the players being more proactive? Is it, is it on the owners actually, you know, taking a stance and, and opening up these stadiums similar to how NBA arenas have been opened up? What, what needs to start changing in baseball culture? Because I know there are some facets that I, I've looked at and been like, wow, you really are not trying to grow. So how can baseball prove it's trying to grow? It's trying to learn from this as opposed to, you know, as I said, Kevin Pillar trying to straddle a line that is not even existent at this time. Tough to see that's a hard question. I'm sorry. Because no, no, it, no. Don't apologize because that's a that's a fair question. See, I can answer that best by delving into a little history. And one thing I'm just going to tell your uh, I'm going to tell all your listeners of your great podcast right out of the gate. I'm going to bring some history into this because people have to understand that there is a lot of history behind it, especially for baseball. Baseball was the first sport to integrate. Let's really think about this. Among the major sports in North America, baseball was the first one to do it. Baseball, and it was, and at the time when it did it, it was the marquee sport. At least in the United States, it was the marquee sport. But also... Think about, but also think about this, and also noting since you're based in Canada, let's also note that within three years of Jackie Robinson, the NHL also integrated. Mm-hmm. Willie O'Ree. That's right. One of the best interviews I ever got. It was an honor meeting him. <laughs> and, but, but what you have to understand is it was baseball that started that ball rolling. Mm. When Jackie Robinson became a Brooklyn Dodger in 1947. Within the space of four, it, it within the space of three years, they all had at least one, except for Boston. All the ma- well, all the major sports had at least one in the league. Ah. Teams, it took a little bit longer. I mean, it took a little. It wasn't until the '60s when every team was in a when every team, at least in baseball, in the in Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL were integrated. It took until the it took until the early '60s to do that. League-wide. But baseball was the first to do it. And baseball was the first to do it en masse. And in many ways, baseball 
not only drove a culture for sports, it drove a culture for society. Um, I mean, there is a meeting that was documented, Martin Luther King meeting with Larry Doby, Jackie Robinson, Don Newcomb, and Roy Campanella. And he sat down, he had him at a kitchen table at his home. He said, I want to thank you, fellas. And also, Willie Mays was there, too. And he said, I want to thank you, fellas, because you helped make, you made my job a lot easier because you got minds open for change. That is the, that is the legacy of baseball that, pe- that baseball, a lot of baseball fans, a lot of younger baseball fans don't know. Now, people like my grandfather, God rest his soul who love baseball, and that's another thing people don't realize because they're asking, why don't, for example, why don't black folks play baseball? Well, technically, black folks do play baseball. They just don't, don't forget, just because, you, just, because you're, just because the slave ship landed in Santa Domingo instead of Savannah doesn't mean you're not black. That's a whole different conversation. There's plenty of black folks in baseball. They just have, a lot of people think they have a Spanish surname that don't count as black anymore. Like I said, different conversation. But the whole thing is they say, why don't African Americans play baseball? And they assume that this is something that's just been historical. When no, when the fact of the matter is, for, for, for people of my grandfather's generation, baseball was the sport because baseball was the first to integrate. My grandfather was a lifelong baseball fan in part because Jackie Robinson was the first to cross that barrier. People don't know that history. People don't know that history of how baseball set a tone for sport and the society. They don't remember that just that now, what is it in the MLB now? Maybe less than 10% of players are black? I think it was like 8%, something like that. 8%. It was, it was quadruple that in the, it was quadruple that 19, in the 1970s. Hmm. It was quadruple that. And I think the only way, one of the only ways you're going to change, change that culture, you need, you're going to, baseball has to continue to, to get this game, make this game relevant to black people in North America. You have to make this game relevant, mm. which means you got to find ways to get more, more kids playing. That's, that's got to be one start. Right? And, and it's got to be a program that has more bite, more basis, and more planning than reviving baseball in the inner cities did because the RBI was a play- RBI program was more of PR stunt than a real concrete program to grow the game, and that's part and partial of the, of the major problems the major league is baseball has had since the '94 player strike. Major league baseball has a problem as a whole in terms of marketing its stars, marketing its teams, making its game something that people want to watch. I mean, baseball has had baseball has had these, these problems for 20, almost thirty years. I mean, it's a far cry from when I was a little kid. Ba- when I was a little kid, baseball was it, and you saw players everywhere. Now, I mean, you have some of these marketable superstars, and you can't, and nobody knows who they are, unless you really follow baseball. If Aaron Judge came up in say nineteen seventy eight, he'd have his own candy bar named after him. He'd be he'd be hosting Saturday Night Live. He'd be all over. I remember there was one. There used to be commercials that have a team full of baseball players. In the old Aqua, Aqua Velva shaving cream ads. They used to have you put. They used to have enough baseball players to where if they fielded their own team, they could win a pennant. That's how relevant baseball was, and I think that relevance plays into this issue. And 
I think that's what's going to that's the only thing that's really going to change that culture. Baseball has to be relevant to the affected community. You have to have more players on teams because if you don't have the if you out of sight unfortunately, especially with white folks in North America, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Mm. Whether it's whether it's police brutality in police brutality in Chicago or Toronto or First Nations peoples in Standing Rock and Oka. If people don't see it, they don't think about it. And that's part of what you're seeing right here at this moment. The Blue Jays do not have a player, do not have a non-white player on their team or do not have a black player on their team. So, yeah, they're going to be removed from it. The Cardinals have one or two. Yes, most players are going to be like, this is not my issue. It's not my problem. The only way that people, the some with some people, they got it's got to be visible and it's got to be in, their, in front of their face for them to really pay attention. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what you're seeing in that. That's what you're seeing in that culture. That's what you're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. Mm. And just just to follow up on that, like, should should there be like like I agree with you in that the culture at the grassroots level has moved away from from encouraging African-Americans to take up a bat, especially if they see more of a path to stardom through football or through basketball. Like, like I mean, you can't... And, and this is a problem for a lot of players. You can't stick it out and, and make make baseball work if you're being paid like $400 a month essentially to try and do that it is it is a entirely top to bottom culture issue that and makes, it, makes it so you have a lot of these privileged white boys coming up and aj that's a whole nother thing that's a whole nother issue yeah i'm thinking if, if i'm a baseball player in this moment i'll put it this way when when the major league baseball players association was a truly strong union believe me a Marvin Miller would have been speaking out on this. Mm. I mean, it's sad that this is the year that he was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because there's going to be no ceremony. I would have loved to have seen what Cooperstown be like when you have Marvin Miller's bust in there. Mm-hmm. The The whole thing is if, if this had happened, say, if this had happened in the 1970s, this goes down different, or if baseball would have had more of a culture of the 70 that it had in the 1970s and the demographics it had as a, as participants in the 1970s they had now, this goes down different. Mm. If nothing else, this could have been also an opportunity for baseball players to say, Hey, not only do black lives matter, but minor league lives matter. Yeah. Commissioner, commissioner, we need to get a handle on the minor league situation because many of us came up through there. And it's not right what's happening to these young to these young guys coming up. Yeah, and I mean, but I again a strong a Marvin Miller led union makes that case. Yeah, instead now it's it's on guys like David Price to cover up what owners aren't doing. Which, I mean that that just speaks to a whole bunch of problems right there. David Price should not be paying minor league salaries, but. But I respect the I respect the fact that he's that he stood that he's standing up and making this known. See, this is 
this is an opportunity to talk about these things. Mm. And I think that that's an op- I mean, in a sense, this is an opportunity missed. And right now, for all these players, this is a this is a time to look at. I mean, right now, in this moment, even before the this came around, do people? I mean, do people realize that a benchmark agreement in sport in labor relations for athletes was done this year? The WNBA's collective bargaining agreement, which is probably the which is the most forward-thinking collective bargaining agreement that I've ever seen in professional sports. If I was a lot of these guys in these other leagues, I'd be taking a sharp look at that. Mm-hmm. I would be taking a sharp look at that because that's talking about things that need to be talking about. That's that's talking about support for mental health. Um, talking, they're talking about thing. They're talking about things such as work-life balance, how do we, I mean, and things that, that matter, especially to that league, given some of the crap that the league's gone through. But this, that could be a template for players across the league to really look at things beyond just what my next contract is, what my next endorsement deal is, but really looking at the, I mean, looking at the little things that make a huge difference. For example, why should a player, why should any player in any sport have to, have to have a debate over do I play do I play in this game or do or if I, or am I there if my wife goes into labor that shouldn't even be a debate yeah I mean if if something's wrong with my mental health to where I need to checked out and it's affecting my performance and more so it's affecting my life do I hide this condition or not do I hide the injury or not because I know if I don't hide this injury if I don't hide my tenth concussion <laughs> if I don't hide the fact that I have my tenth concussion. <laughs> they're going to get rid of me, and they're going to find a way not to pay me. Remember, may, and also that's another thing. Major League Baseball players, remember, they tried to get away of making you pay for no, play for nothing this year. Mm. Let that sink in. They tried to Charlie Finley you and make you risk coronavirus for nothing. Let it sink in, boys. That's also one of the reasons why I think baseball culture as it's as a whole is struggling to really make make that like like NBA owners are putting themselves at the fore of this fight Steve Ballmer is coming out and saying I I support my players Mark Cuban's coming out saying I support my players where where are the MLB owners they're according to the Mets GM they're trying to figure out how to just give them their their hour of protest and then get them back on the field that, Pretty much. That's, that's Jeff Wilpon, according to Brody Van Wagenen. Carly, I'm I'm just I'm just wondering if we're going to be at the point where we can have these guys and and like it it may be on the next generation of players that are coming up. I mean, we talk about David Price um and Dexter Fowler and Matt Kemp. It it may be on the guys like Tristan McKenzie, uh Royce Lewis. Guys who are just coming up through the system to to kind of kind of take that torch and and hopefully drive some changes in this culture. And as um as we're nearing nearing the end here, I just I I want to ask if you have um any any thoughts on the future of what baseball can look like if it can get to the point where it can be 
you know, side by side with the NBA and the WNBA and fighting for these changes. If if it's even possible for them to find their way in in this current era. I think there could be. But it's going to depend on and really if we look at this question in a larger sense the one thing that you're seeing across sports is that in many ways sports are moving a lot of these athletes are are moving forward by first looking back again this is a again this is an example of knowing your history a WNBA player is very walks into their league very cognizant of the struggles that came before them to get them here. NBA players in many ways are looking at the struggles that came before. And they're saying and in many ways the people who live those struggles are there. I mean are are still there. For example, any Boston Celtic can speed dial a Bill Russell. Bill Russell was fighting these fights 40, 50 years ago as a player. NFL players can look back and find that their that that lineage, that their resistance lineage, many of it's still many of these people are still there. And that's what a lot of these players are doing. One of the I mean, I look at the NBA players and one of the smartest things they did, they called like a Bill Russell. They called an Oscar Robinson. They called a group of players got Barack Obama on the phone and said, okay, Mr. President, what do we do next? These players are hearkening back in many ways to the, they're, they're learning and understanding the resistance, the resistance that came before them. They're looking at, not only are they looking at the example of saying Muhammad Ali, they're talking to the people that were there. They are having counsel with the people that, that can tell you this is how it was. They're studying their history. Major League Baseball needs to do that. Major League Baseball players need to do that. I am surprised, for example, that there's not a St. Louis, that that perhaps there's maybe one St. Louis Cardinal who knew who Kurt Flood was. Yeah, I, I'll bet you if you polled most Major League players, I'll, I would be willing to bet maybe 90% of them don't know who Kurt Flood was. Honestly, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Flood's and, probably the next one to, that should go in after Marvin Miller for what he, he did for yes. the collective whole. For, for the players by fighting for the right to, you know. And let me tell you something. If it wasn't, if you don't know who Kurt Flood is and you are a professional athlete, shame on you because of what Kurt Flood did. Kurt Flood made it possible for you to be able to walk into an owner's office and say, I don't like this deal. I'm opting out of it. And at the end of the contract, I am a free agent. I am not a piece of property for you to buy and sell at your will. That's what Kurt Flood said to the Cardinals management when they tried to sell him to the Phillies after his contract was 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 expired. And they tried to say, oh, even though you don't have a contract with us anymore, we still own you. And Kurt Flood said, no, I am not a piece of property to be bought and sold. Every professional athlete on this earth owes a debt to Kurt Flood. They owe a debt to him. It's a sl- for me to see Major League Baseball not standing in this moment, be it the protests that you're seeing right now, be it what's happening with the situation with Major League Baseball, that's a slap in the face. Mm. It's a slap in the face to say to me that, oh, we're not involved in that, when it was direct action 
that put you in the places that you're in right now. It was because someone spoke out. Oh, it's because a Hank Aaron spoke out against the commissioner trying to say what he could and could not do. It's because it's because a Willie Mays spoke out. It's because a Jackie Robinson put that uniform on and walked through that door. It's because a Kurt Flood said, "No, we're gonna. I won't. I will not be beholden to athletic and to an athletic slavery over something like a reserve clause." Because I'm going to tell you something with some of these owners. You give them an inch, they'll bring that reserve clause back. And don't believe me again. Remember, when they were trying to put together this 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 whole season, they tried to do it for pennies on the dollar. They tried to get you to play for free. This is not only an opportunity to speak out on this issues, and people should be speaking out. And at another level, this is your fan base. People, this is also... This is affecting your fan base. This is com- affecting your communities. I mean, that father in Kenosha, Wisconsin, remember, he got shot in front of his kids. Mm. That's, a potential, that's a potential little league parent now in, a ho- now in a hospital paralyzed from the waist down. The child, look at him getting shot. That's a potential future major leaguer. At the very least, that's a future potential season ticket holder. And but I think that's a whole. I mean, that's a whole different conversation. I know we don't have a lot of time to get into it, but just quickly. But that's the unfortunate side of what you're seeing in professional sports in, in some ways. Why do you think more and more professional sports teams, as they join league, have generic nicknames? Because then it's easier for a team to be moved. I mean, they can try that with the Kraken, but that ain't well. Well, <laughs> but but the whole point is, yeah. A lot more things are being come are becoming more and more generic in sports, so that you know what? Because to me, having a sports franchise is not just a business decision. It's not just an entertainment option. And I know this is naive and Pollyanna for me to say, but I truly believe that having a professional sports team is a public trust. It is a public trust. Mm. It's an identity for. It is part of a city's identity. It, it's like a, it's like your tallest building. You're not going to move the Empire State Building from New York to Tokyo. It's not going to happen. The CN Tower will never be moved from Toronto to Phoenix. And teams are the same. Are and teams should be the same way. But then again, and that to me is something that I find heartbreaking in sports today. That. We've gotten to this point where we see these teams as just commodities, just like baseball cards that can be bought and sold. When even the Montreal, when a when an owner can threaten to move the Montreal Canadiens, something's very wrong in sports. And at one point a few years ago, they were threatening to move them. You don't move. These are public trust. And I think that when teams and owners start looking at themselves as public trust and realize that you are a part of this community and players start looking at the same then you're going to see engagement, and that's what you. And that's what made me really proud of the Milwaukee Bucks. The fact that they said openly, "We are Milwaukee's team. We are Wisconsin's team. We live here. We got to get this right." That says a lot about where where those guys' heads were at, and I think that's where everyone needs to be looking at in sports right now. And in some ways, that's the that's one of the reasons why I wish we weren't playing right now. Because sport now could use this time to really look at 
what is the meaning of athletics in public in in societal life? What is the meaning of what we're seeing? What is the meaning of what we're doing? How can we make it better? How can we make it more inclusive? How can we truly become a part of the how can we become more a part of the fabric? Because I think that's where the future in sports lies. It is time sport has stepped away from just being the toy chest and being the diversion and being the place of frivolity and actually and really taking the place that taking the place that the ancient Greeks from the beginning saw as the concept of athletics sound mind sound body and we saw a lot of sound bodies put some sound put some sound minds to work in this moment and I hope and pray it continues I 100% agree with you, Carly. I, again, thank you so much for taking the time and, and sharing your thoughts on all of this. You, you've put things in words that I do not have the ability to do. And, you know, I am grateful I get to call you a friend and get to have you on the podcast. And again, just thank you. Can you, can you tell the folks who are listening where they can find your stuff so they can, you know, enjoy more of your work sure um i'm a contributor to outsports right now myself along with our entire creative team sid ziegler and sid Seeger and kenny Schultz, kenny schultz our excellent baseball writer don don ennis who's our managing editor and the co-host of the of the transporter room podcast you can just you can check out my work at outsports.com and also you can check out Links to our podcast at the website. We're on. We're at every place where all finer podcasts are sold. Be it Spotify. We're all, we're over Spotify, Google, Apple. If they do podcast, the transporter room is on it. The intersection of LGBTQ sports and science fiction, fantasy, gaming, nerd culture. We 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 cover it like a, we cover it like Lester Hayes covering a receiver. So come on down. We cover it. We cover this like Willie Mays covered center field. That's how well we cover it. So, <laughs> hey, come on over to our podcast. Right now we're doing a special series on the – we're doing a special series of articles on the World Rugby Trans Band right now. And that's uh, another situation where athletes are speaking out, and I'm glad they're speaking out. But we're also doing a lot of work surrounding what we're seeing right now because – and. I encourage people out there be informed and and where you can get involved because is this isn't this is that important our society is better than this our cities are better than this our communities are better than this mm-hmm. for for those who are who are protesting on the front lines I see you I'm with you and I'm there with you for for the white folks in the audience, for the white folks in the audience who are saying this is horrible, we got to do something. There's you don't have to do a lot of reinventing the wheel. You just got to get out there and speak up. And I dare say, get that little bit angry. It is a time for people to get a little bit angry. It's a time for people to get a little bit outraged. It's a time for all for it's a time for good people to speak out and be prepared if necessary to show out it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of reinvention of the wheel 
it takes a little bit of courage. And we have that courage. Kurt Flood had that courage. Andy Messersmith and Dave McNally had that courage. The baseball players that stood up and said, we will not be colluded against for getting our fair share of what we built had that courage. We as fans, we as supporters, we as athletes have to be right along with them and have that courage. I I hope we have it, Carly, because I'd I'd like to I'd like to think we have the potential to do it. And again, thank you for sharing those words. Um, feels kind of disingenuous to throw my plugs in after <laughs> such a beautiful thing, but um, yeah, nothing, dis- nothing disingenuous <laughs> about it. You have, a, you have a, no, you have you have a place to speak out. I want to leave you with this because a lot of people, because I under, I appreciate what you're saying in passing this microphone along. But passing the microphone along does not mean not speaking. It just means that you're opening the door so that others who haven't had the opportunity to speak can do so. But that doesn't mean you stay silent. In fact, just the opposite. There are those who are going to tell you, AJ, until others like you, you need to stay in your lane. I would like to remind those people something very important, that when it comes to affirming our greater humanity, when it comes toward liberation of that humanity, when it comes toward the changes we need to see in the world, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon, and there are no lanes in a marathon. Very true. All right. I will... I will continue to speak as best I can then. Um, uh, just just a reminder, if you're not subscribed to the Locked on Blue Jays podcast, um, you should be because you get great content like this, great conversations, and hopefully we make you think. Um, so subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, however you get podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Jays. It's on Facebook as well. You can follow me on Twitter at a underscore J underscore Andrews. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb, but it facilitates conversation. So that helps. And again, Carly, I can't say this enough, but thank you so much again for sharing your time, sharing your wisdom, sharing your encyclopedic knowledge of history and you know hopefully enlightening a lot of people who are listening to this podcast today thank you for having me and go jays except when you're playing the royals <laughs> i was gonna say i mean we can we can have you on again to talk you know when the royals and blue jays are good and facing each other in the playoffs again but that might not be until like what 2024 so hopefully i'll have you on before then that's soon God, I hope so. All right. Thank you so much, Carly. Thank you to everyone who listened to this and for everyone at the Podcast Network and everyone at jaysfrenacouch.com. I'm EJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. And y'all take care.